Welcome to Sung's Garage. Now, this is more than just a place to work on cars. This is a place where I'm able to connect with people, talk story, and share them with the world. All right, today is your car, my car, it's a special guest and a good friend of mine, actor Daniel Wu. Now, he updates us on his life since this lockdown started. And you can't expect a six and a half year old to just like get on an iPad and figure it all out. So I have to sit with her all day long, like three, four hours a day to do it. So I become her teacher. And then I slowly mm. turned into my dad. <laughs> and he also shows us his beautiful black cherry 1961 Lincoln Continental, which he calls Shelly. You know, obviously, this is a car Lincoln, I mean, uh, Kennedy was assassinated in, right? The same, not this, this car, but the same model, right? Um, so there's a, there's a big history of it. But, but this car, when it came out, was, had a big impact on the car industry because at that time, there were, the cars were still really ornate, big fins, you know, crazy designs. And this thing was just simple. It was just like what they call it a slab, like a slab design. He also shares his experience at the yearly SEMA car show in Vegas, where he's been fortunate enough to have two cars. My favorite part of SEMA was like standing back, like away from everybody and watching people's reactions when they came around the corner and saw this tiny little baby <laughs> car. You know, <laughs> it's just funny to see like huge reactions or something so diminutive in size. And we also talk a bit about xenophobia that's been happening from this pandemic. But what we really need to be doing right now is like, especially in times like this, we need to get together. Everyone needs to get together and fight this fucking thing, right? And not put hate on each other and not be divisive and separate everyone else out so that we're all dealing with this on our own. We should deal with this as a collective whole. Now, very fortunate to have two guest hosts this week, Jess from our very first YCMC and her sister, Megan who both have a vast knowledge of cars. Hope you all enjoy. All right, be good. So Megan uh, is new to us. This is the first time I've met you, Megan. So Megan yeah. is Jesse's uh, younger sister. Or, yeah, and, um, and then uh, my buddy Daniel here. Um, <laughs> I think you guys know who he is. Uh, he's a good friend and a huge car enthusiast and uh, a person I really respect. Um, the, the man, you know, behind the whole persona of who Daniel Wu, the actor, is. Um, so I felt like this would be a, you know, kind of a great, great place to kind of introduce. But then, Daniel, let's get to you right away. Uh, so you're in the Bay. Uh, yep. How are you handling this lockdown, brother? Um, it's okay. It's actually, you know, as an actor, this is, um, what it feels like between jobs, you know what I mean? Except for the <laughs> fact that you can't go to the gym or you can't go to restaurants, but then it reminds me of being like a poor actor, right? When you couldn't afford the gym membership or go out to eat and it didn't have a job. So you couldn't spend the money and you were stuck at home. So you had to figure, you had to be creative with your time. And that's what it feels like right now. Uh, the only thing that sucks is the homeschooling stuff. My daughter's seven or going to be seven in two weeks. And so that is really difficult because she's not old enough to be doing all that work on her own. And it's a lot of work. There's a lot of assignments throughout the whole day. And you can't expect a six and a half year old to just like get on an iPad and figure it all out. So I have to sit with her all day long, like three, four hours a day to do it. So I become her teacher. And then I slowly mm -hmm. turned into my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so all the crap my dad ever said to me, like I, it just comes out of my mouth. Like speaking to her and I'm like, what's happening? How did this happen? How did I turn my freaking dad? Like I thought uh, I would never say these words in my life. And I even feel like the tone of my voice 
sounds like my dad when I'm like mad at her or trying to get her to focus and stuff. It's, it's really interesting. Um, cause I've never really spent like this much time with her day in and day out and then trying mm. to teach her something, you know, mm. um, yeah. it's difficult. It's challenging. So yeah, we now really appreciate what the teachers were doing before all this a lot more, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. respect, definitely respect teachers are definitely underpaid because this is hard work. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it, it, the, the time with your daughters, you know, giving you, you know, uh, a different lens on how you handle things, mm. right? Like, sure. Like during this lockdown, I've realized like I'm very impatient and, you know, now I have no place to go. So like step back, what's the rush? You know, why am I reacting that way? Sometimes I would react, you know, like, you know, we have that puppy. So then the way I was trying to train it and discipline is very reactive opposed to like kind of sitting back and going, you know, is that the right approach or, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, you know, let's, let's talk about it. Let's really invest time. I mean, it's given me that luxury to kind of reflect and go, wow, man, and maybe the way I was brought up a little bit was, you know, maybe not the right way to, you know, continue. I got to break that cycle. You know what I'm saying? Totally. So. Completely. That's why I like it. When I catch myself speaking, my, like my dad, I'm like, I told myself I wouldn't do that. So I have to check myself too. It's a constant checking of your, attitude and also like you know the times you, you lose patience is because it's taking longer than it should yeah. but you really you need to give her that space to figure it out herself because you can't yeah. force you can't force education on someone you can't force something onto someone they have to you have to give them room to explore it's just like acting like when if a director starts screaming at you no that's not what i want you're not gonna be able to do it right yeah, you're not gonna yeah. be able to do the scene because someone's like in your ear if you have the space and the and you're given the 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 freedom to be able to be uninhibited and, and, and do it on your own, you you perform better always, right? Without yep. that stress. And so it's hard to, but you have to find a balance because there is times when she's just not focusing and she's not like disciplined. And so you do have to know when to turn that switch on and when to turn it off. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, do you think you getting into building cars has helped you become a better father or parenting, helping parenting? Uh, yeah. With patience. With like, yeah. you know, with, you know, with, when you're building on a car, shit happens and then you just got to like figure out how to deal with it. Right. Like with the Honda back there that when, when I took the body off and saw how much rust was under the, 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 on the frame and all that stuff, it was like, and then we, we knew we had to get it done for steam. And it was like, at that point I was like, Oh my God, we're not going to be able to do this. And we had to like, immediately I wanted to throw a tantrum, but then I just like read, <laughs> relax, let's figure this out. And we figured it out and we got it all done and we got it all done in time exactly for SEMA. And also there was like, I mean, the whole build, the whole process, there was all, all those kinds of things along the way. And the, the worst one was like, I'd taken all this time off of work because I was looking for a change and I wanted to do something different, like do different kinds of projects. I didn't want to do another martial arts role for sure because I would be pigeonholed for doing that forever. So I was looking for the next thing. And I was just hoping that next thing wouldn't come along while I was doing the build because I don't have to get away from the build. And I got a project the week before SEMA, right? <laughs> so I had to like, I had, and luckily my best friend Ian to help me build the car, he was great. He's like, just go do it. I'll finish up the last bits of the car. And he did it for me and we did it. But I was stressing out for like a month. Like, should I turn this job down because I'm committed to SEMA or what? Yeah. But you know, you stress out, you, you, you freak out for a bit and then you calm down and you figure out a way, you know, like be like Bruce Lee, be like water and flow around it and, and, and you'll, you'll find a way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you step back and you go, it's just a car. 
you know, it's really about the experience. Yeah. Like, you know, when you see people, you know, freak out over some little mistake or scratch on their car, you go, man, at home, there must be some stuff they need to work out, you know? And <laughs> I'm serious, man. You know, like you ever see a dude, like, I mean, it's, it's like people that won't let me drive their car. Like they go, Hey, I want to show you my car, you know? And I, look at the engine and it had, I changed the brakes and I have this and I have that. And I go, can I take it for a spin? They're like, Whoa, Whoa, buddy. Whoa, Whoa. I mean, and then I think about it and I go, how come they're probably the dude that puts their name on the mayonnaise jar, you know, like that roommate, that says, <laughs> like, you know, it's mine. Yeah. Like I have it, it's delicious, but you can't touch it. You know what I mean, uh, yeah. Um, well, Hey, so we, today we don't want to talk about the Honda because, right. Um, I think the whole world seen the Honda. It's like a super it's been dope car. Quite, quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm really interested in this car that you're sitting in because you know it's serendipity. Is that when I take my dog for a walk every evening, there is a a, a Continental a couple of blocks away, and it's just parked there. And it's it's so sad. It's so sad. It's just been parked there, uh, you know, and it's slowly just kind of rusting away. Yeah. But those suicide doors. Mm. You know, just kind of make the whole car kind of pop off. So, you know, kind of give me the history. I don't know about, you know, you, Jess and Megan, but I know nothing about this car. So, you know, walk me through it. I, I don't know that much more, but I do know a bit. I mean, you know, obviously this is a car Lincoln, I mean, uh, Kennedy was assassinated in, right? The same, not this this car, but the same model, right? Um, so there's a there's a big history of it. But But this car, when it came out, was had a big impact on the car industry because at that time there were, the cars were still really ornate big fins you know crazy designs and this thing was just simple it was just like what they call it a slab like a slab design it was just really simple no bullshit and it kind of was going along with the times of what was going on in the design world like minimalism modernism um with architecture all the modern design at that time was going back to the basics and just being really simple and taking away all the ornate stuff that was in architecture and making really simple designs. So like Corbusier, Mies van der Rohe, people like that. And so then the car industry, all anything that's related to design started to follow with that. And so this Lincoln, when it came out, it shocked people because the previous version of the car was a little more ornate, it had fins, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then this slab side came out and it was just flat and just simple. And the chrome was super simple. Um, but at the same time, it is a very complex car, like the way the top works and the hydraulics and electrics to get it to work. And everything in the car is like super modern. Like, you know how like modern Mercedes and European cars, like when you open the door, the window comes down a little bit to, to relieve the pressure when you close. Yeah. This car does that. Yeah. This car does that. It's 1961. And it's all wow. analog. It's not digital, right? Um, I would hate to have to go through this wiring harness. Like, dude, it would be terrible because there's so much all wired up and connected in this car and it all works perfectly right now i'm touch wood touch wood that it stays that way i uh -huh. dread the day that that starts to mess up on this car but um it's always been a really fascinating car and then the reason why i got it i wasn't actually planning to buy a new car but my daughter had kept pushing me to um she was wondering why i didn't have any convertible cars in my collection she's like why don't you have a car with no top she's only five at the time she's like i want a car with no top and so so that was always in the back of my mind. And, and three years ago, I was at Monterey Car Week. I just randomly walked through an auction. And I saw this thing sitting there. And I'm like, wow, this thing's beautiful. And the, and the main thing was the color is black cherry, which most of them are like cream, black, uh, 
um, that kind of metallic green color, um, but I've never really seen this black cherry color before. And so it really popped, stood out. How did you end up n naming it Shelly? She, she named it. <laughs> oh, she did. She wanted the car, so I said, why don't you name the car? And then she named it Shelly, and she was only five at the time. And then um, I started talking to the owner, and he's from the Bay Area, and it was an original Bay Area car. And it was restored in the 90s, and it was um, displayed on Pebble Beach at the Monterey Car, car Week as when Lincoln was the mark that year. I'm not sure exactly when it was, I think 94. Mm -hmm. um, and so the idea that it was a local Bay Area car, um, low mileage, really well kept. Um, and the guy was telling me all the stories about how um, he had so many great adventures with his family in it. I was like, oh, that's what I want. Because all of my other cars are kind of like singular experience cars or like the passenger can have a good time, but they're going to get maybe car sick because they're fast or you know, <laughs> not have the best time. But, but yeah. this car is like, you can fit three people in the front, three people in the back and just cruise somewhere and just makes any drive a lot more interesting. You know, um, just the reactions that it gets, but also the exposure. It's so open, right? So you see everything around you. I've never really owned convertibles before. I've never really liked them. Um, but having this one, like it kind of opened me up to that world and realizing like, oh, I was missing out on a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of a lot of reasons why I got it. But I think mostly it was the kind of aesthetic of it and how simple a design it was. Hey, Jess, Megan, you guys know anything about this car? You guys have any history with this? We haven't messed with any of them. No, um, there's a couple around town. I see him driving once in a while. But they're uh, pretty damn cool cars, for sure. <laughs> I remember yeah. they used to be really common, like when we were growing up, like in the 80s, you'd see high school kids driving around in them as their beater car, right? You know, because yeah. they'd get them for like a grand or something like that. And, um, but now, like, I think you're seeing less and less because they're just so hard to maintain. Like, they're di really difficult to maintain when all that crazy stuff goes wrong. You know. Yeah. Well, hard to maintain, and, and kids don't really care about them. So that's true. That's true. <laughs> but Brad but of, of all these era of cars, I think this one is, it gets the most reactions. Like when I drive it around, like kids, older people, they all kind of love it because there's something simple about the design that kind of speaks to everybody. Um, and it doesn't yeah. matter. All races, all sexes, all ages kind of just lo love this car. I get the most reactions driving this thing around than anything else I drive. You know? Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, it's more, it's, it's, I think it's more inclusive in terms of like the demographics that you're going to like. Yeah. You Cause know, you don't even have to be a car like, person. It's like, you see it and, and seeing it in the shape that it's in. It's just like, yeah. it makes you smile. It's just, it's fun. You know? And the color, color is sexy. You know, it's like, like if you said, you know, you were a drug dealer and you drove that car, I go cool. If you said that you were, you know, uh, like a ballroom dancing champion, I'd go cool. That car fits. If you said I'm a, famous movie star i go all right that fits you know right. if you said that i'm retired and i'm just you know gonna go and chill out that that car fits it's it's a it's a it's a sexy car well let's see it daniel come on let's okay. see. can you can you, give you us a tour? Start the outside or the inside? yeah from the inside okay here we go let me um let me figure out how to flip the camera here here we go all right Wow. Now, so things simple. I really like are like this little thin thing. So you can literally steer this whole giant boat with one finger. 
-hmm. And that's what you do. You kind of put the right arm over the back of the seat and the left arm with one hand, you know, it's a cruiser. You just cruise in it. And then like the dials and stuff, like the clock and the speedometer, there's no tack, um, but all the gauges. And then let me see here. Let me get underneath These, this is the, this toggle is the washer. I mean, the, the wipers. Um, then you have the top control, the hood release, the brake release, and just everything is well detailed out. Even look at the pedals down here. It's like chrome rim with rubber in the center. Everything is thought out and well designed. Lighter. Unfortunately, the lighter is way too deep to put in a USB charger. Um, so I can't do that. But yeah, blower control. And then here is a, a heater that pops out. Wow. So the heater dope. comes out there. And then on some models, I'm still searching for it now. Um, these came with an optional 45 record player that went down here. Wow. So you could put a, rec you could put a record player there and play 45 records um, while you're driving. So I'm looking for that wow. right now. I'm sure I'll find one at some point. And then you go over here and it's like real wood. This is all real wood paneling. Um, wow. The Continental logo got pulled off by my daughter, but it's there. <laughs> it's in the thing. And then you go around, and then here I'm going to get out and show you the seats and upholstery. What kind of wood the did seat. they use? Is that like mahogany? I don't know, actually. It's it's a veneer for sure because it's very thin. Oh. God, looks sick. But it's it's real oh, wood, you know. And then you know all these details, but the seats. Yeah, I call it a rolling lounge. It really is a rolling lounge. You just kind of chill out and cruise in it. So it's it's just lap belts. They only needed lap belts at that. Yeah, area. only lap belts. Yeah. Only lap belts. Um, and then there were none in the back. I had to install them in the back. Mm. And then that cool little detail, the Lincoln symbol there. In the back. And then I'm going to pull out. Let's see. I'm going to come around. Dang! Listen to that door. How big are the wheels on that car? So these are 20s. I replaced them. Wow. So it had the original wheels, were vice fly wheels. They were like, I think, 14-inch white walls, but they were like so scary to drive on the highway because like, <laughs> you know the grooves in the highway? Yeah. They pull your car, they would pull it all over the place. So I wanted to put modern tires and wheels on it. So I've got 20-inch. There were 22-inch options, but it was too, that's too, like, a little too gangster <laughs> um, i just want to keep it a little more subtle so i want to make so it like you look at it first and you think it's stock and then you realize it's not um so those are billet wheels so the fender um, is the factory cut that you didn't cut the yeah, fenders right yeah. yeah so look at that wow. look how smooth look how simple that is right here right wow and it's all pulled in the bumper is pulled in it's not like a big fat bumper that sticks out like that right it's all minimalized and pulled in so clean. and then the grill is really beautiful. And the, each year they came out from 61 onwards, they just replaced a different grill for each year. So you can tell what year it is by the grill. And this one is like a, that like pointy harmonica shaped grill um, in the front. And then let's see, let's go to the back. Oh, so I've also got air suspension in this. This is the only modern thing I've done, which is to, you, you can drop it all the way down and turn it back, uh, bring it back up. And just made the ride a little more smooth. Um, this is really beautiful. This Continental logo. That's beautiful. Yeah. And then the rear light, 
like super simple, no, no ornamentation on it, just this little round circle right here. And then the bumper. And then this is like one of my favorite things, the, let's see if I can do it one-handed. There you go, the gas filler is in the center. Wow. In the nice. rear, hidden there. The people, we don't design like this anymore, you know? Yeah. New cars are not designed like that anymore. It's just like, look at this. Look at this surface area in the back. This is just the rear trunk section. It's so long. Wow. If you How many like bodies this can you put in that thing, man? Yeah, you could probably put like four people in there. Wow. You know, Easily. did I... Did I tell you that, you know, we had a Dodge Monaco that wasn't as big as this, but the trunk space was maybe 70% of that. And when we <laughs> used to go to drive-ins, my mom would make my dad pull over and she would hide in the trunk so they didn't have to pay the extra adult. Oh, uh, we did that too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? We had, you do that now? That? <laughs> it wasn't one of those. No, we did that when I was little. It was oh. my parents had a Vol Volvo 240. And they put me yeah. in the trunk and put a blanket over me. So <laughs> they wouldn't have to pay. I'm glad to see that's a universal Asian thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not just a Chinese thing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, really about it. Do you want to see the uh, air suspension work? Yeah. Well, we want to see the suicide doors open up too. Okay, oh, that's yeah. right. Sorry, 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 sorry. Forgot okay. About that. Here we go. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me give me open this. Okay. Let me go back a little bit. Is that how far they both open? At the, like that's the, the door stop. I think this is the yeah, no, wait, hold on. There's a little bit more there. Okay. And then uh, let's see the front one. Yeah, this is it. Wow. So that's this is kind of also amazing too. For such a long car with no B pillar for support, like I don't know how stiff the, I don't think it is that stiff probably but how stiff the chassis <laughs> actually is because you have nothing here sorry aren't they unibody cars yeah it is then you should be fine but you don't <laughs> have a top or anything for torsion so yeah it should, it should be. be all right it's lasted this many years so yeah but yeah, yeah. It's, interesting. it's interesting to see this section here with yeah boom it's so big, man. It's gigantic. it's gigantic. It's gigantic. It's literally a boat. It's a, you know. Wow. So what's, so what's, what, so it has the factory engine there in, in it now? Yeah. What do they Let have in it? it. Yeah. Look, at that, look at that radio, man. It's like a yeah, home radio. console. Oops. Yeah, the color is so beautiful. So beautiful. There's a big old V8 in here. I forgot what the output is. You know what um, you need in there is you need a, a small block 327. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? I hear those are uh, like everybody loves those. Yeah, you, Jess, you love, right, you Jess, love uh, V8 conversions, right? You're, you're all about putting a small block or a 350 in anything, right? That's what you were Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so this is all all totally stock i haven't touched any of it i don't think i will i'll just leave it yeah because there's a little provenance on this car a little bit from its history and it's you know history in pebble beach and all that so i kind of want to keep it 
stock and not mess around with it. Like I know a lot of people will put the new uh, five liter Mustang motor in, um, but I just don't really want to go there. Yeah. No, you got to keep that. You got to yeah. keep that engine. It's a, it's a time capsule now. It's like a piece of I history. mean, you do that for one that's a beater and then you're bringing it back to life. But this one that's already like, you know, in pristine condition, just don't mess well, with there's it. there's nothing yeah. wrong with it, Yeah. It and runs smooth. The only thing you already got, so as well keep yeah. it <laughs> Hey, Meg, yeah, Meg, how, Meg, how old are you? How old are you, Meg? 20? One. 21. So what do you think? What does your generation think of this? Do you, do you, do you think it's sweet or do you think it's too much, too much oh, excess? Not, yeah, not fair. Not. <laughs> Why? Why is that not fair? Because I like the old stuff. I'm definitely not the same as my generation. If you do, you feel, do you feel you don't represent, I mean, that you're not representative of your generation? No, definitely not. What's your generation into, you think? What's your generation about? Honda's, yeah, GDM, yo, new GDM, yeah, <laughs> or or not even into cars, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, so that was the, when we were at SEMA. They kept trying to tell us to talk more about how to bring the youth back into automobile um, tinkering because it seems like less and less kids want to mess with cars nowadays, or you don't want to even drive. Hey, Meg, do you think you think you're you, you, so? kids your age you think they're they have hesitation or fear of just like wrenching getting into cars these days because i i I mean even for me i I don't know about you daniel you know the idea of getting under hood and like tearing the engine apart is intimidating right but then you do it right you do it and you make make mistakes but then you can always figure a way out if you put the time in there's always a way there's always a zip tie solution (laughs) <laughs> That's what I call it. <laughs> Speaking, it's so, like you were saying earlier, it's so much easier now because people have done it on YouTube or somewhere online. You can find some kind of information about it. Whereas before, like in the 90s or the 80s, dude, like you had to know a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy to get some kind of information out of somebody. Right now, yeah. it's just like any forum you go to. And some, of them, some of them are too much, but you can find whatever information you need. Was it fairly I easy? I go ahead, Mike. So much like a fear. I think it's the lack of caring. I think it's just, you know, they want something that just gets up and goes and they don't care how right. it they just they just want it to happen right then and there. Yeah, instant gratification, absolutely. Yeah. They care about look how it runs. Yeah, it's a static it's not the love of the car. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, but you know, I, I wonder if, see, I think the way you can convert, like ha- wanting to have or wanting to wrench or have a classic car that you put your hands on is that, that that represents status. You know, instead of like, you know, rappers talking about a Ferrari, you know, like getting the latest Ferrari and that, that, that you know, equates the status. Like, you know, even like the old Porsches coming back, right? Like the RW, you know, RWB guys and the singer guys, like, if you have a singer, you're a baller. Like you're a baller, baller. If you have a singer, right? So, but right. I'm not. I'm not sure if the young kids understand and appreciate like what goes into making a singer or that type of car, right? Or a classic restomod. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think you have to think about like the majority of society is pushed towards like instant everything, right? 
instant fame, instant um, gratification, instant this and that. And a vintage car is not that, man. Like, you got to take care of it. You got to, you know, it's like a pet almost or like having a friend. You got to take care of it and maintain it and put effort and time. And it seems like society right now is not in that, in that vibe right now. You know, everything wants to be quickly done, uh, fast, fast food, fast this, fast that, you know. And so we don't take the time to really, you know, uh, uh, ma- marinate in something anymore, you know. Well, that Especially with like Instagram and stuff, because you see Instagram, it's all results, but you don't see process. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so Absolutely. no one's able to respect the process. And, and, and builds for me, the fun part is the process, not really the end result necessarily. Yeah. Well, see, and you have to love the end result to deal with the process. Like, we don't like sanding. We don't like body work. But we like what it ends up being. You yeah. know? Yeah, there's, there's always crappy parts of the build. You yeah. Know? But it's the journey. It's that journey. And you go through it and you get there. And, you know, it's, it's cliche. The, des- the destination is the journey. Or the journey is the destination. <laughs> yeah. um, um, but it's true, though. It's like that whole process, like building the Honda for me, it was the first time I ever built the 510 I had was, I was away filming. So I had to have it built. Uh, but this was the first one I did. And my goal was I'm 45. I want to learn something new, you know, and, and I'd never done this before. And I, I went into it with that mentality and said, okay, let's see what happens. And it's scary. It is the totally daunting, super daunting. So I get why people are afraid of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to say kids because it's not necessarily just kids, no. but a lot of people have that throwaway mentality. They buy a new car, they trash the shit out of it, they give it back to the dealership, and they get a new one. They don't give two cracks. That's just yeah, like a two-year cycle. Switch it out. Switch it out. Yeah, exactly. But let mm-hmm. me ask you, Justin, Meg, where did you guys learn this? You know, different. I guess relationship to your you know to vehicles like like those you know like i can kind of understand somebody who looks at a car as just a tool you know like a tool to get, get to a to b right and they, they don't have a relationship like when somebody doesn't name their car i go yeah you probably don't care about it and you look inside and it's garbage everywhere you probably don't care about it so is that taught or like you know or is it just natural or like car people I- just like naturally connected to vehicles no, because there's so many different kinds of car people. True. Yeah. And like we learned from our dad. Like when I was growing up, when I was little before you were even born yet, dad was building a Jaguar E-Type out of like five oh. different E-Types. Okay. So he had the low windshield, the short doors, you know, the, oh my God. It was like the holy grail of Jaguars, which I don't know if you saw some, but I have a picture of it on my Instagram. But it is, the holy grail of cars. Do you, do you guys still have it? Um, his boss has it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. It was cool. building it for boss when we were in Oregon, and um, yeah. So when I was growing up, I got to sit in the car and hand him turn turns, which could be screws, it could be screwdrivers, that could have been ratchets, it could have been wrenches, it could have been anything that turned. So <laughs> you know, that yeah, was cool. me. I was in the garage with Dad all the time. And Megan, mm-hmm. she got in on it too. And when you were eight, yeah, yeah, she was getting paid more money than most dudes were to actually wet sand and mask 
and to do all of that. So like, wow. yeah, right. all awesome. all that's always crazy. Hands on. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, we were we were taught the respect and like how much time and how much effort and our time is never free. Yeah, yeah. how much you need to know to be able to get that good, yeah. to be able to do it fast. And so like, we have a lot of respect and a lot of, even if we don't know something, we know that it takes time to do something. Yeah. And so it's definitely something that was pounded in our heads as we were kids yeah. to respect all different types of art in the car world. And that even if it's not your style, it's still art. It's still art and it takes a lot of work to do. And someone else is good at it and you don't like it, but it's still something they're good at and they're trying and they're good at it. Yeah, very personalized. Yeah, doesn't matter. I want to ask you guys if you think it affects like how you deal with other things in life. Like being able to like take on a car project and break it down and figure out how to manage it and do it and get it done. Like that also, uh, that those skill sets can apply to anything else in life, you know. I'm wondering well, if you find that applicable. <laughs> What's that? It hasn't hit for me yet. <laughs> I'm a train wreck, but that's cool. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure maybe you don't know yet, but it's probably formed the way you think in terms of how to like approach a, when you approach a project like a car, how to, how to like, how, what the process is going to be, what the steps are, what do you need to do first, what's going to be last, how to organize the, everything. Like all that, those are really important skill sets in life that a lot of people don't learn, you know? And that's why I they can't get anything done is because they can't approach something. You know, they don't know how yeah. to approach it. It's so natural for us that we don't even realize it. A lot yeah. yeah. Like when we actually went to hot rod school and we took the collision refinishing course, we're like, oh crap, we know nothing. We're, this is going to be so great. We're going to learn all of the stuff. And we got there and we're just like... <laughs> this is the most boring thing of my entire life because we know all the like mm -hmm. I don't know. It just yeah, I guess you probably but, but you got affirmation though that you knew a lot, right? So yeah, you knew more than you thought. <laughs> so that's a great thing too. It was like me, like I never learned to act. I just started acting. I never went to classes and then seven years into it, I went to an acting workshop for like eight weeks. And yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. The things I've been doing are right. Like I was I was fumbling my way through it, but I finally learned it through experience. And that's what you guys did. It's like you learned through experience, through osmosis, basically, yeah. um, through your dad, right? And so you got those skills that your dad taught you all that time. What a beautiful gift. That's amazing. Yeah, beautiful. You know, the, um, the, the lockdown has, you know, forced me to do things normally I would be scared to do. You know, like, you know, it's, you know with, with the Opa build, like I, I probably would have set probably a hundred percent of the car out to get it done by somebody else. Right. Cause that's for me, the low hanging fruit. And that was originally what I was thinking was like the right way to do it. Right. And then because of the lockdown, you know, things were all closed down and then it was either do nothing or go in and try. And I tell you, man, if you ask like anybody who sees the car, they start laughing because they go, They've never seen that many zip ties on a car ever, <laughs> ever, right? It's all temporary, but because I made so many mistakes, like so many, like, I, and I sit there and I go, why didn't I just wait two seconds? Why didn't I measure, measure again, measure again, take a picture of it, step back, ask somebody <laughs> else and come back 
and then measure again and just like like wait one day but then i would go for it and then i would start going why i spent the whole day whole day making this pattern and i messed it up right because i was impatient so i tell you working on a car and like first of all one thing is like like my fear of doing things like i feel like there's this like young version of me that's come out just this fearless version because as i get older i start being more reserved like exactly being more cautious right you know yeah exactly because time isn't free like i don't have the time to do it so i go i have to be cautious with with that and then i feel like you know the the my learning curve starts to you know plummet because i'm not doing anything new like it's just repetition i become a creature habit right and then Second and most importantly, that my parents and my wife and myself, I get down, you know, I get on myself about is that I'm impatient, you know, like I should just like relax, man. There's no rush because it is, it's the journey. It's not like if I finish the car tomorrow, there's no SEMA anyway. So what, you're going (laughs) to take an Instagram picture and you go, I'm done. No, man, I don't want it to be done. I want it to continue. So it's made me realize it's like in life, like what's the rush, you know, like enjoy it, like really enjoy it. It's, it's easier to say, but it's really kind of, kind of cleared that lens. It's giving me a re- reboot guys. So totally, yeah, that's what I've got. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly like why I did that Honda build is because I don't know if I told you this song, but like I almost died last year from appendicitis. No, you didn't so tell I, me My this, appendix no. burst and I thought it was food poisoning. I let it go for three days. And I was in fucking like bad pain, but I still didn't go to the hospital. And when I finally got to the hospital, I was so septic. My guts were so septic that they immediately put me into surgery. They're like, if you waited one more day, you would have died. I was like, what, really? And I didn't think about that. I was uh, was food poisoning. I'll just get better at some point, right? And so it's emergency surgery. They couldn't get it out. So they had to clean me out and then then put me on an antibiotic drip for 10 days. I was in the hospital. I couldn't eat. And so those 10 days I was in the hospital, I had this kind of meditation. It was like, Shit, I'm 45 now. I'm like it's literally midlife right now. And like I've learned a lot, but I feel like I've kind of plateaued in terms of learning things, right? I mean, I've been in the film business 20 years or whatever. I learned a lot there, but I want to learn something different. So like I was like, I love cars. I've always wanted to put a car together. Let's try this. Let's do it. Let's try and build this thing. And like uh, I chose the worst car to try and learn off of because this Honda was so <laughs> the parts and everything just so rare. And it's just a difficult car to work on. But that was the goal was to try and go into this journey and come out of it with knowledge and, and, and this idea that, oh, I can keep this idea of keep learning as I get older and not be complacent and not just pay somebody to go do it for you, you know, and just learn it yourself. So you guys did the Honda um, and took it to SEMA. Is that what happened? Yeah, here. Here it is. Hold on. Here's the back end of it. Oh, ooh, here's, exactly. here's the Honda. Hold on, let me get to the front. Cool. So yeah, we built this for SEMA. We were originally gonna we were originally gonna be in the Toyo Treadpass area and then Honda found out about the build and they wanted me they wanted it to be in their booth to celebrate the seventh anniversary of Honda in in America. So that's, that's where I ended up. Nice. How did that go down? Um, it was cool because my goal was like, okay. SEMA, how do you, there's so many cars at SEMA, how do you make an impact, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, 
everything is like a muscle car done to like singer style quality now. $300,000, you know, pumped in. And they're all big, beautiful muscle cars with modern engines and everything. Okay, what can I do? It's the opposite. <laughs> I'm going to choose this tiny little Japanese car that never made it to the States. That It's a Japanese car that looks like a European car. Yeah, um, it looks like no one, yeah, it looks like an MG or something, right? Like the front here looks like a looks like an MG. Um, and choose a car that no one's ever seen before, and that'll probably drop some jaws at, at SEMA. And that's what happened. So we put it at the booth, and like my favorite part of SEMA was like standing back, like away from everybody, and watching people's reactions when they came around the corner and saw this tiny little baby <laughs> car. You know, <laughs> it's just funny to see like huge reactions for something so diminutive in size. Yeah. Oh. yeah, here's a little look. Like we did this one fully out, you know, everything. Wow. So and Sam, which one was the, you took a car to SEMA, right? Yeah, I took a 240Z, the, the Faguzi, a 73 240Z, and then uh, so, And how did that go over with the car people there? With you guys being actors, like did that impede them looking at your car? Did that like make them think that you weren't one of them? Or like how was your guys' experience with people? I'll start with that. I, well, I think, uh, well, when I, it was, it was twofold. The majority of um, the car community was super welcoming, right? So they were happy that somebody was celebrating this, you know, J JDM classic that didn't have a lot of eyes on it, you know, at the time, you know, it's kind of disappearing from, you know, the, I guess the zeitgeist and then boy uh, did you change that <laughs> yeah and and i think because because of just you know my association with fast and you know the, the connection with the cars i think it brought in a whole bunch of you know eyes to the project right so it, it became this reawakening this awareness back to this you know beautiful classic 240z but then you know, what I've learned that, you know, humans are humans, right? And people are territorial and they're cliquish. And then it's easy to say that, hey, you got a free pass because you're an actor. And if you were an actor, nobody would have cared about your car and you didn't build the car and you, you're not a renter and you, you just paid, you know, you bought it instead of build it. It's all of these things that I, you know, learned that in the car community, like, yeah, just like, in my business of Hollywood or in life, there's going to be criticism. There's going to be negativity. There's going to be questioning. And then it made me step back and reflect and go, well, you know, is there, is there truth to that? And I'm, and I'm always going to admit, you know, to where I feel like, you know, did I get a free pass? Absolutely. And I'm the guy from fast. I play Han. Sure. You know, of course, you know, that, of course I get a, a you know, a, a a, fr a free seat at the table just by association. Am I a renter? Did I build the car myself? No, I didn't do any of that. And, and, and I'm very aware of giving credit to, you know, the, 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 the great talented people that put their hands on these cars that spend their whole life mastering it. So it made me step back and go, oh, as an actor, if I'm going to participate in this community, I better respect it and I better know to a degree, what I'm talking about in terms of the hierarchy and the investment and the passion put into it. And if there is a negative reaction, instead of being reactive and being negative, because I don't 
you know, the, the, the car business or the hobby of car making is not my livelihood. It's just a hobby. So, you know, either way I can, I'm, I'm fine without it. So if I'm going to be a part of it, I need to support it and contribute. And if there's a negative reaction, I want to have a conversation about it, you know, and I, w- I would get, you know, a lot of times I would get a lot of shit. I remember I went to a cars and coffee and I asked some guy about, you know, the Audi R8 and, you know, the manual, sh- the gated shifter and the different options. And then I thought it was a, just a great morning of sharing information. And I fell in love with that car. And eventually I actually went and got one. But then after I found out and I read on some forum and he was saying that, yeah, I met some, the guy with the, the, the 240 thing. And, you know, and this guy, we're talking about cars and he doesn't know anything. He's like talking to like a, you know, dumb, like log and this guy it's like you just wasted my time and I was going wow I I took it as like a great like you know day of sharing and this guy took it as like you're in you know you're in my territory man like you're trying to take my you know you're invading my space and then it hurt and then I got angry and then some friends knew him and they're like hey we're gonna talk to him and I said no let me try this approach. And I, so I wrote an email and I said, I apologize. I apologize for offending him. And I thanked him for giving me that information. I told him that he inspired me to buy this car. But, you know, and that, that approach led to him actually responding to me and him going, I reflected on that experience and dude, I'm fucked up. You know, I'm sorry. I did that. And I will support like, you know, you know, making a positive contribution to these, you know, to the car community get togethers. And it, 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 he said, Hey man, I live in like a, a high testosterone world of guys trying to go fast and competing. And we're all trying to, you know, stake our claim in this car world. And I, I it, it made me realize where I could be an ambassador, you know? So that was my experience. So I had to step away for a while, Daniel, you know, it's like, I'm glad, you know, you know, there was another actor to kind of fill the void and like do awesome builds because dude, like going every, every build makes me super nervous because I know I'm going to piss people off. I know I'm going to be attacked. I, you know, it's, it's a part, it's a, it's, it's like you're giving birth to, you know, a baby and then you're going to get all these haters. And then at the end of the day, you know, is it going to be well received? And now I'm at a place where I don't care, man, it's the journey. And even if people are going to talk shit and, if I have to take some, you know, if I have to bite, you know, I have to take some bullets, it's all good, man, because I know why I'm doing this. And now there's clarity is that I don't care about the end result. I don't care about how expensive or how many pictures are taken or how many likes. It's really the people that I get to hang out with, the people mm. like, you know, the, the great experiences that I have, all the laughs, all the, all the late nights and the little jokes and the little inside jokes, like. You know, the conversation about the V8 swaps today, come on, right? That's, yeah. that's the journey, man. So that's where, that's where I am today with this whole thing. You know? I'm glad to hear that you come back because you, you, your build inspired me to do it, like do all this stuff, like your Fuguzi. When I saw you do it, because I've been thinking about it for years, but I was like, I had all those same thoughts. It's like, oh, I'm going to come in, everyone's going to be a hater and I don't want to do it and blah, blah. And then I saw you do it. And I'm like, oh, man. And he did amazing. And I'm like, okay. And that's when I reached out to you. I was like, hey, so how did you do this? And blah, 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 blah. And then it slowly became a reality. And then, you know, what I realized is like, yeah, 
if you're passionate and humble, it's fine. Like everything's yeah. fine. You know, yeah. uh, everyone yeah. will be the, the, the people you want to hang out with anyway will be receptive to you anyway. Sorry right. guys. What were you going to say? Oh, is a lot of people forget that it is about individuality and it's not a competition. There's room for everybody. There's room for all different kinds of thought and designs and everything. It's not about who's better than another. It's about everybody being in the car world together. Yeah, there's so many ways to skin a cat and there's so many ways to build a car and they're all right in their own way. And yeah. uh, people's perception of how things should be is usually what ruins it. When it's like yeah, not their build, not their car, not their style. Who gives a shit? Like, yeah. <laughs> if you don't like it, you don't. Like it. But if you can't even uh, respect the work that was put into it, then just keep your mouth shut. Kind of. Does that make sense? Yeah. Totally. Totally. I mean, the car world, the car community, is a reflection of you know the human condition. You know when. You know, when someone looks at another car and they go, you know, stupid Mustang or stupid German car, or stupid JDM, I go, where is that coming from? Like, and they mean it. Like, they get mad, you know? Like, yeah. like a Mopar guy. Tribal, they get about tribal it. with it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. you know? Right? Yep. And, and I just so, had that. Yeah, but Jess, where do you think that comes from? Like, why do people get so tribal with their cars? You know? Um, it's like, it's... So dad and I literally just talked about this because he watched your video from the other day. Um, anyhow, we were talking about it and he feels like, um, how did he put this? It's a part of our fight or flight. So coming together tribally in your separate tribes against one another is how you fight. And unfortunately that's how it is and it just doesn't end up working out for everybody. So it ends up with a lot of hate, a lot of um, distrust of other people, which really sucks. Really sucks. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, because I know you guys are talking about how a lot of people are wary and hateful towards Asians, which I think is utterly stupid. But <laughs> um, it is a thing and it sucks. But again, fight or flight thing it's a car thing it's a human thing it's unfortunately a race thing and people just can't just can't let it go when it doesn't matter but they're trying to protect themselves which it's just like a snake it feels threatened it bites i mean it can pretend yeah to i mean when you put it that way it's 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 you can understand it you know it's like it's a defense mechanism. People are afraid, you know, yep. they don't have an answer. So what do they need to do? They need to fight. They need to blame somebody, you know? So back to Daniel and Seema, you heard Sung's, <laughs> Sung's experience. What was your experience with the people? It's, um, it's amazing. Like my first Seema was with, hold on here, let me switch to this car, was with this car the Datsun 510 and I was really intimidated at first because I was like, you know, I had some different ideas and I had different things that people hadn't really done with cars before. Like all the Chrome there is bronze 
and stuff like that. And so I wasn't sure what the reaction was going to be like. Um, but people were so loving and so receptive. And then that broke down all barriers. Like it broke down all barriers. There's no race, sex or whatever. It's like you have initial gut reaction to something you like visually. You see it and you react and it doesn't matter where you're from or whatever. You just like it, you know? And so that I found really freeing. And, and, you know, we do say, you know, we we're just talking about how there's so much judgment and blah, blah, blah. But when you do something, execute something well, a lot of people respect it. And whether they're muscle car guys, American car guys, European car guys, like they see it and they react. And then you look at their work and you react the same way. It's like there was a level of respect there that I thought was really cool. I mean, there's tons of other baloney there and a lot of other stuff. But like in general, what I was, I felt was like, oh, this is really cool. Like this is a really cool time. I understand why everyone looks forward to SEMA because it's the one time everyone in the whole world or country can get together and just like stew in cars for a week, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's exhausting. Have you guys been? No, no. we won't go so bad. <laughs> Man. So uh, like, Hey, we got to all meet there. We all yeah, got to go. It, yeah. You need, you can't do it in a day for sure. And oh, no. even a week is even hard, but like uh, the last, last year when I went, I had a Fitbit on and, um, our booth was at the very end of hall one. So there was a lot of walking back and forth and also I had to go get friends at the front and bring them in and blah, blah, blah. And in four days I walked 27 miles. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you walk Marathon. a lot. There's so yeah. much to see. Like, and I, this time, like the last, the first time I went, I made an effort to try and see everything. But this time I was like, I had to like cut it all down because it was just too much. There's way too much. Um, but I remember the first time, you know, the bro trucks sung the what? The bro trucks, the bro tr- uh-uh. those that? big trucks that are jacked up like six feet high and like a, uh-huh. yeah. um, you know, 38 inch wheel, but with like one inch of tire wall around. They call them bro trucks? That's the name? I think bro? so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I what? think so. That's bro what they were calling them there. I didn't oh, realize like how big a culture that was. Like oh, halls of that, full exactly. halls full of that. Right. And then this year, wow. even like they were all out in front. There's like, you know, at least 50 to a hundred of them out in front. It was crazy. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of things that I didn't even know were a thing um, are there. So everything you can imagine for cars is there. It's all there. You know, foreign cars, American cars, uh, crazy electric conversions, like everything. It's all there. Everything that anyone's ever wanted to do with a car is is there. It's fun. It's really fun. But it's tiring. It's exhausting. Did you get any um, feedback from people like some did about being a a shoe-in? Because you're an actor, or backlash. or backlash, I guess would be the right word. Yeah, I went in like super humble and didn't try to pretend like I knew anything, right? So yeah. all I did was just answer questions when people came up to the car. I didn't even try to make my presence known. So I kind of stood, stood back all the time. So it was, I felt it was nice to me. I didn't feel that kind of judgment, although there is, obviously, there is. So it's like, but I think also what where I got some respect was like, People are like, oh, you're, you know, a movie star. You could buy a Lambo or, or you know, some ready-made super supercar, and you didn't. And you could, you chose this really bizarre, obscure car and spent eight months building it. So there was just a level of respect there, you know, from that. And I think that was the cool thing about it. It's like this is the thing I was talking about. It's like the tribalness breaks down when there's a shared passion. You know, right. when everyone sees the effort that was made and everyone understands how much effort was made into it, put into it. Um, uh, you know, all those barriers drop. So I, you know, I didn't feel, I'm sure there is, there is still like people talking crap and blah, 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 but I didn't really feel it. 
It usually always is. You can't get away from it. Yeah, I mean, there's haters everywhere. Hey, Daniel, what is, I, you know, I, I don't want to get too deep, but like you're the perfect person to ask about this because you are a gigantic star, you know, overseas in Asia. Um, you have so uh -huh. much connection with China and you, right. you know, but you know, you, you, you're essentially American in the way you think, like, you know, with this sure. whole xenophobia stuff is like, you know, what, first of all, like, just like, what is the solution, man? Like, why, where, is, where, where, how do we, I don't know. How I do mean, we overcome this? I think that, you know, it, what we were just talking about now, it's like, our tendencies as humans to be tribal and defend our tribe like crazy, right? But what we really need to be doing right now is like, especially in times like this, we need to get together. Everyone needs to get together and fight this fucking thing, right? And not put hate on each other and not be divisive and separate everyone else out so that we're all dealing with this on our own. We should deal with this as a collective whole. I'm not even just Americans. The whole planet is going through this at one time right now. This has never happened in the history of, of time that everyone's going through the same thing at the same time and so we should be getting together to fight this thing instead of fighting each other about oh it's a hoax or this and that i mean the reality is it's happening right people are dying right and so we need to deal with it and whether you agree with where it came from and blah 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 that's irrelevant right now because the problem is it's, it's a huge problem that we need to deal with right and if we're fighting each other it's just not going to get solved so i'm like disheartened that the energy has gone that way instead of to 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 a place where we can all get together and be the same as human beings, like whatever your race or whatever country you're from or whatever, and fight this thing. Yeah, there are bad people and there are idiots in the world all over the place, in every country there is, right? But we need to forget about those people right now and get, get, get you know, a community together to help, to help fight this together and get through this together, right, instead of fighting each other. I mean, it's, it's sad. It's sad that it's happening this way. I'm really... Um, bummed out because I also feel helpless in terms of like how do we change this direction that we're heading in. Yeah, it's yeah. How do we change it? That's uh, you know I what. Know. Start with the small things. I think you know, grains of sand make a desert, right? So, so I don't know if that was the best metaphor, but, um, but yeah, like little small things, be kind to people, be a little bit kinder or, or something because you have just like check yourself real quick and see if that's coming from the right place, you know? Um, cause we're all stressed out. This is all, this is a stressful situation and it's easy to start like blaming people and, and wanting to, uh, uh, say hateful things to people to make yourself feel better in that moment. But does it really make you better, feel better? Does it really help things in the end? I don't think so. You know, I think what everyone, I mean, everyone knows this feeling. When you've done something good for somebody, you feel fucking good inside, right? So we should be doing that. We should be doing that instead of like spitting out anger and hate and reactions to hate and blah, 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 blah. Like I did it. I'm guilty of it yesterday because I felt like, you know, Trump said this thing about like um, Chinese Americans also mad at China. I'm like, well, don't, don't speak for us, right? Because you're not Chinese American, so you can't speak for us. And I shouldn't have reacted like that because it's just soaking the fire. I, I, I'm thinking now that I, I shouldn't have done that, but at the same time, I couldn't hold back. So I think I need to check myself. We all need to check ourselves and go, hey, let's not be hot-headed and reactionary about this, but let's look at this like a carbon project. This is the problem. What are the little steps we need to take to, to get this thing done? You know? Yeah. It's not me, it's us. Yeah, yeah. And that's really, really the real reality. It's all of us, all human beings, right? 
Yeah. yeah. But that's easier said than done. You know, everyone's different. Everyone thinks differently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, because we're locked up pretty much, you know, basic interaction, you know, daily interaction is so limited. You know, most of the stuff I'm, if, if I watch TV or, I, I, you know, I get in that, that rabbit hole of starting to read the news, man, Oof. I wake up paranoid. And then I go to the store and you see everybody in the mask. You know, all you see is eyes. You know, they're just. Right, right. It's a, it's you don't know if they're smiling. Mess, right? You don't know if they're mad. You don't know yeah. anything. Right? You're looking at me, or hey, I'm looking at you. Or, you know, it's just like <laughs> weird suspicion. It's like you, someone's like, uh, and you're like, whoa, hey, you, whoa, 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 right? And, well, yeah. In some ways, the masks yeah. are intimidating. That's why, like, SWAT team people wear those baklavas <laughs> yeah. because they're protecting their identity. Because it looks yeah. scary as shit with those things mm -hmm. on, right? So yeah, when man. you put a mask on and a hat and glasses and all that, you become almost non-human. So. Yeah, I mean. You can, you know, kindness is easy to do without the mask because you can smile. You can give somebody a nice gesture, right? So right, right. now you have to actually go to the extra step is that, you know, I think you're right. It's, it is the baby steps of thanking, thanking everybody at the store. Like I look at the workers, man, and the stress, oh, yeah. the stress, right? And then you sit there and you, you, you complain about, you know, some engine part that, you know, is not available. And you go, oh, I'm Wait. bored. I'm bored right yeah. now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Think about yeah. the people that are busting their asses and risking their lives for all of us right now. Yeah, man. It's baby steps. Baby steps. But we need hugs. Hugs will help. Hugs will help us. Right? But we can't do that right now. So, unfortunately, we got to figure out another way to express that. Yeah. So, Sam, you remember? Yeah. Well, I guess for um, but one of the videos you guys just released, and you were talking about how you were out at the grocery store and you were like trying to hold in coughs and stuff. So, and it wasn't you being sick or nothing. It was just natural body reactions and everything. And yeah. how you were looking at you weird and stuff. You remember that one? Yeah. We felt that way the other day when we went to the Asian supermarket. Really? Yeah, we felt like they were just side-eyeing us and looking at us funny and like, what the hell are these two girls doing here? More out of place than usual. Yeah, more out of place than usual. And um, it was so a weird feeling. It was a definite weird feeling. So I really don't think that it's a just you kind of thing. It's mm. an everyone kind of, a tribal thing again. So I don't. I, I agree with you. That makes I agree sense. with you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. become cyclical. You know, cyclical. Oh, totally. Everyone yeah. reacts, and then it becomes everyone can't be friends anymore. It's like it's like the Salem witch trials. It's this is how yeah. bad it is, Jeff. I don't know what that, they're thinking. I don't know what you're thinking. Yeah, I'm, I went to the Korean market. You know, the market, the the grocery store is pretty big. There's a whole bunch of gigantic Korean superstore. You know, like they're almost like a Bonds or a Ralphs here, right? <laughs> and so we went to the one near our neighborhood and. So they sell mostly Korean product, right? But they have Asian stuff and a lot of Chinese and, you know, other Asians and non-Asians come and they shop there, right? And, and then there were two Chinese uh, women walking around without masks and they were speaking Chinese. And because I can understand Korean and my wife is fluent in Korean, so she can understand everything and all the slang, the Koreans were freaking out, freaking out and going, and it was bad. It was like, like nasty, like 
how the beep, 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 like why the beep, beep, like they're in here, like beep, beep. They, they brought it from beep, beep, like take it back to, you know, Wuhan and all that. And I was sitting there going, hey, man, it's not a white against like Asian no, thing. It's not, no, it's, no. it's like, yo, even my, I'm, and it, I'm, I'm speaking for Koreans. I go, yo, Koreans are some of the most racist people in the, I've ever met, right? <laughs> I've ever met. So, and I've met some people in the clan and I've met some Koreans that are worse than clan members, right? And, uh, and, 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 and so, so I, I, I feel you. I feel you on that is that I think, and then it made me step back and I go, people are scared. Yeah. They're just scared and they want yeah. somebody to blame and they're going to blame these two like high school Chinese girls who are kind of lost and they don't know what they're doing. They're probably there by trying to buy masks, right? They're lost, but no one's helping them because they, they don't speak Korean. They're English. No one in the store speaks English. And so they're walking around like all frustrated and everyone's like looking at them like, hey, you're the enemy. And it was, I felt bad for them. I really, really felt bad, you know? So I agree with you. It's not, I don't think it's a white against Asian thing or it, you're, you're right. You know, so thanks for bringing that up. It is tribal. It is yeah. very, very tribal. People are scared. People are scared. And what do you, what do common people do when they're scared? They, they defend. They you know, clam they, show they, up. Yeah. Yeah. They point fingers, you know, right. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It's like, we need to do the opposite. We need to open our hearts up, open up everything and just be you know one community of people you know um yeah and, and stop all that bullshit but what do you, you guys just make i mean you guys get you get you get you get shit on you get stuff talked yeah. about because you guys are like female or women builders or you know, they go they think less of because big time so we actually discussed this the other day and i'm gonna let megan talk about it no you were talking about it um because you and Lyrics Born were talking about toxic masculinity. Yeah. And you were right, but not inclusive, if that makes sense. So, like, with us, it's completely different than anything I heard you guys talk about. But Megan was better about talking about it. So, it's your turn. I don't even know. I mean, it's, it's insane because there's so many different subtle things that people don't even realize. Um, because it's just like saying, oh, you're not strong enough. Let me help you. Well, you don't know that. If I ask for your help, that's, that's cool. That's fine. But don't, a lot of people make assumptions on your capabilities and what you can do just because you are a female. And it's, or even, not even about being a female, but about how long you've been doing it. They, I've had men treat me terribly because I'm 21 years old. I shouldn't be able to do something as good as or better than someone that's been in, in doing it for 15 years. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy on how many different ways it goes. Mm. And I've gotten a lot more respect from like 50 to 80 year olds than I have from like 20 to 40 year olds. It's crazy. It's, I feel like it's an ego thing. It's a feeling that I need to be better than a female, not um, 
not helping and not building up. It's a very judgmental thing where they think that there can't be space for everyone. And they think if you do better, then that reflects badly upon them. Mm. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to take. Yeah, that's probably like small penis syndrome too, right? Like, <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, come on, right? Over, like, come over, on, over they're going to get mad at you. They're going to be talking shit about you because your work is like a top level, but they can't handle that. But come on, man, get out of here. You know what I mean? Like, what is that? I don't know. What is that? That's nonsense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you. I get that. I, I'm sure there are people... I'm, and a 20-year-old to a 40-year-old dude's ego, come on. You know, they haven't lived life long enough to have that balance yet for a lot of guys. So They've I'm got sure. too much testosterone flowing, and that's why their ego is so yeah. big. And once yeah. you get past that age, you, it all calms down. And that's why the older dudes are much more receptive, because they don't give a shit anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't, none of those barriers are there anymore. Hey, but Meg also really, you know, know that, you know, when guys are extra, like they, they're, you know, they're like, they get extra, like into like, you know, being better than you. It actually means they probably like you a little bit too. So, you know, keep that in mind. You know what I mean? What? What did you say? No, thank you. Oh, no, thanks. <laughs> well, it also goes in with like, sometimes they're just trying to be what they've been taught to be a gentleman, right? But in that situation, they don't realize like you're, are highly skilled and then maybe don't necessarily need that help. So they're not really even sure how to act. So probably sometimes I'm sure there's yeah. a group of guys that act that way because of just trying to be nice, you know, and maybe overdoing it. Some of them, but I've also had like situations like where we would bounce ideas off of each other to for a card build and I'd get shit on because my thought process, my design got chosen over theirs. Yeah. That was uh, that's and just testosterone like, ego. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I'm sorry, but like, I think this way because I talk to the customer. Like I, I see their vision, you know, and it's, it's a group decision on where we went, but it got blamed on me for not having their idea put into the vehicle. Like how Because women are better listeners anyway, so. <laughs> it's supposed That's probably why you're better at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's weird. It's a lot of simple things that men would be okay taking from other men in any situation that they can't take from a female. Yeah. And it's crazy because you feel like you're a team. You feel like you bounce ideas off each other. You work together. And then almost boom. a family. Yeah. And then boom, they turn around on you and say, well, how be, dare you have a better idea? Yeah, exactly. How dare you have brains? Yeah, it's pretty much how you take it, and it's infuriating. Very infuriating. <laughs> like we were doing something, and uh, I had someone be like, "Oh, well, do do you need help? Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Oh, honey, I have chucked like 50 transmissions into a scrap bin out of the back of a truck. I really don't need your fucking help lifting up a seat, okay?" Blame you, yellow. Wow. So, dang, that was, what a reaction. Well, so, <laughs> let, me ask, like, let me ask you this. So, do you mind if uh, a guy opens the door for you to be a gentleman? Is that, is that? No, where, I would work for them too, so. It's common courtesy. Yeah, so it's, it's, not a, it's not a, a sexist thing. Yeah. 
because like I would do it for anybody. If yeah. I'm behind you, I it'd be nice for you to keep the door open for me. And then you would keep the door open for the person behind you. It's exactly. just how it is. Yeah. It's just like if your hands were full, I'd run up and open the door for you. Yep. I'd expect the same thing. I think it's just a very common courtesy thing that people lack these days. Well, and, and some uh, women want to bitch and complain about dudes opening the door for them for attention, but that's a completely different topic. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, well, it's interesting, Daniel. They see it as like, no, it's common courtesy you do for everybody, but I'm going... I ain't gonna open the door for Daniel. Like, come on, man. You just follow me in, man. <laughs> We're dudes. Like, I love him, but I'm not gonna be like, here you are, Daniel. What if yes. but for you guys, it's ingrained in me. It's, it's what you do for a lady. It's like you wait and you go, here you are. You know, like if you guys were to come to the table, you know, you're taught to stand up and go, oh, good to see you. And you sit back down, right? But then, with you know, if the dude, I don't care. Like I'll be sitting there eating my pork chop. It's like you come, hey man, have a seat, have yeah. a seat, and have some pork chop. But you know, it's it's different, right? It, yeah. So it's, but you guys see it as like it's common courtesy for everybody. That's that's the interesting, Daniel, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah, we're kind of at the age where we're conditioned. Like we have some old school yeah. thoughts, but we're also a little new school. So it's kind of interesting for us to see like new perspectives of that. Yeah. Well, what, okay. What so, about this one? What about yeah. opening the door for the passenger of the car? Oh no! Oh no! No. You wouldn't appreciate that. Yeah. You wouldn't. You wouldn't even appreciate that. Okay. All oh, right, no, Jess. So I love you. you love we don't. Me. It's about and, you'd appreciate it, but do we expect it? No. No. Do we demand it? No. No. no, no it's not about demanding, but you don't get offended, right? You don't go, "Hey, man, I got no. arms." Like. Right. Okay. I, I used to. So George and I have been dating for like seven odd years now. And at the very beginning, I'm like, get the fuck away from me. Like, do not touch my shit. And then now I'm just like, oh, thanks. I'm going to get in the truck now. It, it just is a. I had a chip on my shoulder when I was younger. You so got to give the dudes <laughs> a little bit of space because I'll tell you this. If a guy's in a relationship with you. He's constantly trying to find ways to show how he can love you, right? Or yeah. show his love for you. He buys me cars. Yeah. Right. Okay, that's a good one. That's a very good one. But that, for, some, trying. for those who don't have that money, you know, a door opening is right. maybe all they got. You know what I mean? But, but it's sometimes it's those little things that count, and so they're trying to find a way to make the little things count, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> trying to woo at that time, but now it's just habit, and it doesn't even matter anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, here's the, here's the final question on this topic. Is that hey. I think Daniel and I probably you know, we're from the same era. So, and we kind of, uh, maybe, maybe we're similar in this sense is that if, if, if we go on a date, I Me would always pay. No, no, not you, Daniel. Oh. With, 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 yeah. With, with a female, I would, if I went on a date, I feel that not because I'm a guy and they don't, and they're a girl and they can't, it's just like, it's my obligation and my privilege to pay for dinner. Okay. To pick up so the check. That depends. It depends on who initiated the date. Did she initiate? Because if hmm. she invites you somewhere, then that's oh, yeah. But if he's yeah. like, oh, hey, do you want to go out to dinner? I'd be like, fuck yeah, bitch, you're paying. Like, come on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's a good answer. I'll take that. <laughs> 
<laughs> and back on to that, um, what we were talking about a little bit earlier. It's only Megan and I. Yeah, we don't have brothers. We don't have brothers. So dad raised us like boys. So that whole opening the door for everyone courtesy kind of thing and like all that sort of stuff, that's from dad. Also, he is from oh, an older generation than you guys. Yeah, yeah he's... Yeah, he... Oh, shit. He's like 62 or something like that. So he's from an older generation. A small and, town. And his parents were even older than Because he was a young, you know, youngest of his six, six siblings. Yeah, grandpa and grandma were born in uh, the, the 20s. 20s. Yeah. yeah. So oh. it's way older times, I guess. Yeah. And about just being nice to everybody. Until reason is given otherwise. And just like, you know, you help out elders, you help out everybody. Mm -hmm. Because everybody needs it every once in a while. And so that's kind of what we were taught was just, why not? It doesn't take any skin off your back to be nice to anybody. So why not do it? That's what I was saying earlier. This is what we need to do now. We need to be nicer to each other, right? We need to go back That's to old right. school values and just be nice to yeah, people. Yeah, we almost that, that change. Like almost depression era, if that makes sense, because everybody rallied together when all that crap happened. Like yeah. farmers, farmers, friends helped friends. Like strangers were helping other strangers. Like they were trying to all stay alive in the flow. So, like, why are we not doing that? Is it because the generations are too far apart and like that didn't actually get talked about? And we didn't learn it from the elders, or is it just because everybody hates everybody? I don't know, but I think it's all me, 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 and yes, yeah. But everyone is the center of their own universe. Yeah, you can see that. And and people are (laughs) and people are scared. Fear, fear drives that type of thinking and reaction. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think. Fear isn't necessarily all of it. I think it's a lot of it is hatred and being all tribal about stuff. Fear definitely plays into it, but I don't. But think yeah, that- but where does why why are people tribal? That's the thing. Is like where does that feeling of like hating others and being tribal, like being exclusive to to one or their group, where does it come from? It's fear. Like think about it. If you're if if you're going through tough times and you're like, how do I pay? How do I pay tomorrow's rent? You're scared. How do I eat? I'm scared. What's going on with this coronavirus? I'm scared. Fear, fear. Like, so, yo, what's the answer? Whose fault it is? That's dude's fault. That person's fault. Right? I don't, I don't think it's natural for us to hate each other. Like, it makes no sense. If, if we were to turn off the video screens and we were just to listen to each other, there's no difference in how we think really and what we're into. Like we're into cars, right? And the majority of the stuff is like we're raised a little differently. You might put your you might put a little extra salt or a little extra pepper on your pork chop, but you're still gonna eat that pork chop. It's still delicious, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, Are you hungry? <laughs> I'm hungry, I am. I'm always hungry. But <laughs> And I love pork chops. I don't know about it. Know, I'm not speaking for all you guys. Some of you guys might be kosher. You talk about pork chops pork, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I love a pork chop. A good pork chop. A good pork chop with applesauce. Woo! That's good oh, food. But, that's uh, Cindy you Brady's line. Yeah, so where does it come from? Why Why would you hate pork chop? 
Why did why? Because you're taught that you're taught that it's bad for you. It's dirty. It's you know, it's it's a pig. It's like they eat everything. It's like oh really? I didn't even know. The only pork I knew was Charlotte's Web, and that was a cute cute pig, right? <laughs> and then <laughs> once you're taught that, <laughs> so where does you know? So Jess, like it's it has to be fear. Like it's not in our nature to hate other people. It's taught. But why well, would you want? Yeah, to go, it, I mean, to go deeper, the tribalism is because you're afraid of people taking your shit, right? right? And so that is a fear, right? So then you become stronger as a tribe to protect that, to protect your stuff. So whenever there's a, a break in your border of whatever it is, if it's emotional or spiritual or whatever, you, you close up and you fight it, right? Instead of going, wait, why are they saying this and what does this mean? And embrace it and then let's get along, you know, let's figure this out. The, right. the initial reaction is to like, ah, stop it, you know? So do you think it's fear or conformity or like being a sheep or like there's so many well, reasons? I think from the beginning of time, fear has always been used to control people. Yeah. And so the fear is not necessarily even naturally generated. It's maybe subtly introduced to your thinking because, you know, some people want you to think that way and get you to react that way and get you to follow along and become a follower like like what you're saying. And it's easy to control people when they're scared of stuff. Like whenever a cult gets somebody, it's when they're at their lowest, right? Any of those cults or like some crazy religions or whatever, they get people when they're really low and they tell them like, yeah, you're really scared right now, but I can offer you salvation from this fear, right? I can offer you this freedom. And then that's how they get people, right? And the same thing with politics or same thing with anything is they use those tactics and, and, and but any side will use those tactics like, you better do this, otherwise this is going to happen, you know. Um, and they get you thinking that way, and it may not even be true most of the time. Right. I mean, the sheep, right? Like, the way yeah. you're able to herd the sheep is because there's the big bad wolf that's going to come and get you, right? right. So you got to be afraid of somebody to herd people. There has to be a unified cause. And I think naturally we want, we want to be unified for positive stuff. Look, look, look how naturally, like even our conversation or our get togethers on this thing is happening. It's because we need it. We need to get together. We need to do something positive. We need each mm. other. Right. Mm. But then if we were to like put some fear factor into this, it would, it would, it would cause separation. Right. But it, it's, yeah. yeah, it's, 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 you know, I think that's the theme for today's, you know, conversation because when I go back to, you know, the, the OPA, you know, the build, like when I first brought it in there, I was so scared of the car, man. Like I opened, it was just like a maze of, of nonsense and, and confusion. And I was going, what am I, what did I do? I'm glad that I have people that I could send it to. Right. And then once I started getting into it and you, it's like, like you said, Daniel, it's like one sand pebble at a time. You realize that somebody else created this and it's another human being that created it. If they can do it, I can figure it out eventually. Maybe yeah. not today or in a month, but with all the resources we have. And if, if, if you want something and you're passionate about it, you know, you're going to figure it out, you know? And I think, you know, within this fear stuff is like, if we're afraid of something, go try to understand it and go figure it out. And then you won't be afraid of it anymore, anymore because it's not that complicated, man. You know, there's no big bad wolf out there. No one's, no one wants to get us, you know, 
No one's trying to get us. So it's true. It's true. Yeah. All right. Preach. I think we're gonna end it here. I think this is a good place to end it. I don't want to get too deep. It's not a political show, you know what I mean? So right. about cars. So Daniel, yeah. thanks for uh showing your cool, cool cars. Uh thanks for Shelly and uh thanks for showing us the Honda You're again. Welcome. Um thanks for you know for the conversation, all your positivity. And uh Megan, this was really awesome because it's great to have somebody your age and give your perspective. And I think you're a great, you know, spokesperson, um, you know, for your generation and to get people inspired to, you know, get into cars. And I, I love the way you think and I love your energy. And Jess? Yeah, I love your guys' energy too. Amazing. I'll open the door for you anytime. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, and not because I, I think you can't do it. It's because I want to make you happy. All right. Oh, okay. All right. It's the right thing to do, right? Right. right. Yeah. All right, guys. Big hug to all of you guys. Yeah. Big right. hugs. Big hugs. Big hugs. Spread <laughs> love. Spread love. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, thanks for tuning in to Sung's Garage. A huge thanks to Daniel for sharing all his cars, and especially Shelly, his 1961 Lincoln Continental. Can't wait to see her in person next time in the Bay. And a very special thanks to Jess and Megan as my co-hosts. We definitely need to find a way to get you both to SEMA. As always, let's all continue to stay indoors if possible and stay safe during these tough times. For all those medical first responders who are essential people helping, I truly send my thanks to all of you. All right, y'all be good. So I'm going to give a shout out to all the people that made Songs Garage possible. We got producers Anson Ho, Sal Gatdula, Gary Lee, Aaron Strong going. We got music by the one and only talented Lyrics Born. And we got food, catering, and hugs and love by Mickey Yang. All right, thank you very much. And also, all of you guys that are listening. Till next time, peace out. See you at Songs Garage.